Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to the end of the year show, and technically the end of the decade show. This is The Prestige. Each week we pick a movie, we talk about a movie, we review and discuss that movie. But this week we aren't doing that. We are discussing 10 possibly movies. Um, we are discussing our top five movies of the decade. We always end the year with our top five of the year. But we thought this year, because it's we're moving in out of the 2010s into the 2020s, we should look back on the last 10 years of movies and try and pick out five that we were particularly proud of, particularly uh, keen on talking about. I'm sure there'll be some honourable mentions and some also runs. Uh, but yeah, that's us. So we're going to do five to one. Five to one works for me. We can start there. Shall I go first? Go on then. All right. Number five on my list. So I will say the bottom of this list gets a little less focused, shall we say? Um, the, the the top right. is uh, like I knew my ones and my twos straight off the bat, and, and my probably my four or my fives were a little less uh, straight yeah. in my head. I don't think the answers are. Yes, yeah, so I knew I knew one, two, three, and then yeah. yeah. So number five for me, and this I don't think will be on anyone else's list because no one else cares. Um, but this is the two thousand eight film, two thousand eighteen film, Bad Times at the El Royale. The way I did mentioned this movie on this episode last year um it is certainly a middling movie in terms of general critical response um and mostly forgotten in terms of audiences but i really liked it. it is a noir film it is twisty and turny it's got amazing sort of performances from jeff bridges from john ham from chris hemsworth there's some really kind of darkly funny stuff but also absolutely horrific neo-noir storyline being told it's clever it's funny it has the right element of you don't know what's going on and these big twists and big reveals but they never push too far into incredulity they always kind of buy it and it's just a really good time and if I'm anything on this show, I am the one who is pushing for the more obscure movie, certainly the more um, less watched movie. And so that's the one on this list that I'm going to push for. The other four are certainly going to be well-known and well-loved movies. But that's my triumphant shout for, for the forgotten film. Yes. Sam, what about you? What was your number five? Right. Number five, I did, would be very surprised if it's on your list as well. Um, and I thought about it actually when, like I said, the top three was quite easy and then four and five I'm not sure about. But I like to think all of these films, and indeed all the ones I've got honourable mentions for, were doing something new. Mm-hmm. And this is the case even even number five. And I felt this was... Uh, we we had an episode on this quite recently and I wasn't as taken with it the second time, well, the the third time round that we did it for the episode than I was when I first saw it. It's completely blown away when I first saw it. But I still think The Raid from 
2011, mm-hmm. is was doing something genuinely new and exciting in martial arts, and I was really taken with that. It's the the performances are uncompromising, and lots of the shooting was very exciting. The cinematography and the direction, and yeah, it's quite a bleak film. But then, well, actually, all five of my top five are fairly bleak <laughs> films because that's who I am. Um, but yes, my number five. I think if you'd asked me a few years ago, it would have come higher up than this. But it's still one. It's still at the bottom of my top five of the decade. Is the raid? I I can understand what they're saying. The uh, the raid. So I I think we discussed like I really like the raid, and I, I'm with you. When I first saw it, kind of. I said when I first saw it, I didn't care for it at all. But watching it again, it really blew me away. Since then, I've seen a few more in that genre, and. I did toy with having uh, a film called The Night Comes For Us on my list, which is a lot of the same crew and actors as The Raid, um, but uh, a little less, but a little more plot, a little less action-focused. Um, and I really dug that one as well. So that would be in my honourable mentions, but I'll bring it in now as we talk about The Raid with you. So, fair enough, fair enough. It's uh, it's uh, I see what you're saying with being something new. It is... It's unlike anything else that come before yeah. it. I think there's certainly some power in that when to movies. About your number four. My number four, in many ways, is the opposite of something new because it's a sequel. But in many ways, is I think it's something incredibly new. Um, and that is Blade Runner 2049. Now, I don't know if you ever got around to seeing this one, Sam. I did not, no. Um, no, I'm a big Blade Runner fan of the original. And when they announced a sequel, I was... Very sceptical, shall we say, which is a nice way of saying, uh, you know, angry and unbelieving of it, because the film works as a, as a whole unit, and it felt like a complete cash grab to bring in a sequel. That being said, this film, I think, was amazing. It did a sequel, which can always be a tricky needle to thread, but it did it in a way that served the original, but in no way beholden to that original. It did other things, it took it to new places, it looked amazing it's one of the most beautiful films i've seen in a long time and i think that is as you say it's something for me particularly i celebrate with movies i've often talked on the show about my belief that a really powerful movie can only exist as a movie there isn't a version of blade runner 2099 that is anything but a movie and this film because of the way it looks because the visuals that you see with different places in that they come to in the world it can only be that way. I just think that having loved that um, that first original, this film built on that, rather than other sequels which kind of rehash earlier things or just kind of do the same thing again, or sometimes just forget that we're going to do a whole new world. This threaded that line so carefully of being honourable of the original and folding it into mythology, but telling its own story and telling it in a beautiful way. Um, my number four was another film that we covered on the podcast, although some time ago. Um, it's the 2014 film Whiplash. Mm. And as I said, this is all of my top five of here were doing something new. And there was something, well, also, actually, one of the things, one of the criteria I went forward this this um, top five was the fact that something stayed with me 
And this is a film that five years after it came out still stays with me. And I feel it was doing something new with this idea of a borderline abusive relationship between uh, musical performers. And yeah, it was just, I thought it was a really, it, it was it was a good film to look at. The editing was really slick and the direction was good. But the performances, Miles Taylor and J.K. Simmons were well, great as well. So yeah, I I really enjoyed Whiplash, and I would put that. Like I said, I'm not so sure about my four and five as my top three, but I'm I'm warming to the idea of Whiplash. Yeah, because we did cover it on the show. And I I it was one that you pushed for the show, and I hadn't seen it before. But it did kind of really. It's one of those movie experiences that like. I felt like I breathed the last hour of the movie. Mm. It's so intense. It's so stressful. It's so claustrophobic, but like weighty on you. Yeah. That that, I, yeah, it, it, you're right. It does stick with you. That, that experience of you feel like you haven't breathed for the last hour. That, that's what I got when I saw the raid for the first time. And there's mm. something so intense about it. And I just didn't pause for the whole of, the denouement of that film, which is pretty much the whole film. Um, so yeah, there was something really immersive about that, the experience of watching the radio and also of watching Whiplash. I see what you're saying. It was one that I, it didn't make me in the end, but I did certainly think about it in my uh, my time. Mm-hmm. So my number three on my list is a 2015 science fiction film, which despite everything I've just said about films existing only as himself, is based on a book. Um, but that's the film The Martian I have spoken about this film I'm sure plenty of times on the show I really really loved the book when it came out I was a, like a he really placed it as a blog I used to follow along with that blog and I love I love the book it's one of the the best books of last year certainly for me um, and when he said about making a film sceptical but I think they nailed it I think they, they threaded their own line of making it work because the book is a series of diary entries um, and that could be quite an interesting and sometimes dull approach to a movie, but they kind of found that right line of making it make sense with him leaving diaries and various other things. Matt Damon, who I know Sam is not the most keen person on the world, mm. but I think he's he's perfect for this role. It's a bit of an everyman role. It's a bit of that you want that kind of cheeky charm that he's got. But I think the strength of this movie comes from its support. It comes from Jessica Chastain. It comes from Jeff Daniels. It comes from Sean Bean. It comes from Donald Glover and uh, Kirsten Wigg and other people like that who kind of make up the rest of, of the support crew on the ship and the support crew back on Earth. And it's, in many ways, I think that we are facing darker times in the real world than we faced in a long time. I think between global politics and climate change and everything that's going on there's a lot of inherent darkness in our lives and a lot of worry and stress and i think a movie about smart people doing smart work and coming out on top it's something that appeals to me right now it's something mm. that i feel that sometimes i need um and this is a movie probably of the movies on my list the movie i've watched the most and the movie i return to the most um uh, because i think it sometimes you just you need the feeling that if we work hard, think hard enough, we can fix stuff. Yes. And I know that in the, in the real world of, you know, politics and everything that's going on, that isn't always the case. But 
I think sometimes I feel I need that. And that's why this movie returns to me again and again and again um, as a, well, not even a balm, but more of like a, a refresher and a, and a sort of inspiring kind of evening in my life. In complete contrast to that, my number three is intensely political and quite scary and reminds you very much about things like global politics and global warming and climate change and hurrah, we're all going to die. But I've noticed, looking at the dates, that two of my top five are from 2017 and one, one of these is the film Okja, which I didn't know very much about, didn't see it in the cinema, didn't see it advertised in the cinema. It was was a Netflix film, so I just happened to watch it one day and was blown away by it. It was... I mean, yes, it's not that sort of um, triumphalism of something like... Triumphalism is a bad word to use, but I see what you're saying. There's something Mm. sort of reassuring about um, the narrative of the Martian, and it's really not reassuring at all. Um, although I suppose there's sort of uplifting moments at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I wasn't. I mean, some some films you feel are, I mean, made on a budget, and you don't really know anyone involved in it, and you feel it's a bit let down by the lack of investment in it. But there was something. Something I, I really got on board with about this, in the way that like, none of the people involved are people you know, um, none, mm. none of the acting time. Well, I think that there might be sort of some peripheral. I'm going to look it up now. Um, there is some peripheral performances from um, more well-known actors, um, but it's by. Um, Boon Ho, Ho um, whom I didn't know mm. anything about. It has got, it says that it stars Tilda Swinton. It's not starring Tilda Swinton at all. She's just put out the front because that's the name that people know. They, therefore, it's going to sell tickets. I think, like, the, yes. the only vaguely famous person who appears in some of the film is Paul Dano. Other than that, it's it's a complete cast of unknowns, and I I really wanted that. I thought it's really exciting, um, and I'm just looking at the poster for the movie, and it's it's really depressing. Um, so so yeah, <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah, it's what you want. Um, that's what you but want. yeah, it's I'm I'm not presenting in a particularly positive way. It's it's it says all sorts of gloomy things about. And the climate crisis and the way people have treated animals and um, corporate greed and stuff like that. But actually, towards the end, it's a very uplifting, heartwarming animal story. So yes, I, I would put Ultra as my number three. Oh, very nice. That's, I think, the first new list that I haven't seen. And uh, you've spoken about it before. I know it's it's sitting on my, my to-watch to list, but I uh, haven't got there yet. Mm. My number two, um, which is, this is where I got into like as soon as we started discussing this, the next two films were the ones that like, well, those those are the top two without without a question. These are the top two. Um, so my first one in that list is 
the 2010 film, so just creeping into the into the decade, The Social Network, telling the tale of the founding of Facebook, or telling a tale, uh, whether it uh, has much basis in reality is questionable. But I think as we leave the election seasons and we move into the American election seasons, I think the power of social media is unquestionable and terrifying. And I think this movie is more and more prescient in its way. It portrays the people who essentially control our public discourse now. So having gone from The Martian where I'm avoiding stuff, this I think is much like Archer, very about what's going on and very relevant mm. to what's going on. Um, it's got, it's made by David Pitt Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin, which in my head is kind of like, that's the crossover of the century for those people. My favourite director, my favourite writer, making this thing. Um, and I think it's been, I think, Jesse Eisenberg, who I can be hot and cold on. Sometimes I don't enjoy his more comedic work. Um, I think he is spot on as the slightly sleazy, slightly snarky, overly egotistical character um, of Mark Zuckerberg. And Andrew Garfield is always good value. He plays up as uh, Eduardo Serrano is sort of his best friend. It is visually stunning as every um, Fincher film is. The I always say that the opening two scenes in which he has a, a breakup with a girl and then goes back and writes Face Smash, I think it's called, are masterclasses in dialogue in direction and editing the scene in which he writes that code is a masterclass in editing um and i return this movie again and again a for its craft and b for its content um and i think i know i'm not alone i think esquire voted it the best film of the decade um and it's certainly topping out a few lists around the internet of the films to remember from the, the, these last 10 years. So yeah, The Social Network. Is that your number two? My number two, yes. Right, I, I know exactly what your number one is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone, anyone's on doubt of that. So, but yes. Right, my number two, I know you love this film, um, as I did, and it's another one of those that stuck with me, um, partly for one of the most brilliantly out-of-character performances of, well, not just the decade of ever. Um, when you think of this actor, you don't think of a performance like this at all. Um, it's set in... Whereabouts? It's in Portland, Oregon. I was just... I'm just looking up. Um, involves a music club. Um, I'm trying to give you clues about it without actually telling you what it is. I think um, you should say it. I'm unsure. Uh, green Room. Ah, yes. Uh, with with just, I, I think, I mean, yes, this is a great film. And yes, the, these, the tension that's built up in it is, is brilliant and the way it's directed is great and some of the photography is great. But I think it belongs on this list only for the performance of Patrick Stewart, which is mm. just incredible. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you, you think of Patrick Stewart, you think of either Picard or maybe you saw him as a theatre actor, so you, you think of him in terms of sort of Shakespearean yes. performances. You don't think of him as the leader of a gang of nuts, neo-Nazi skinheads. It's amazing. It's incredible. He's a genteel, kind man in almost everything he is. 
these he, days. Yeah. And he's not in this. So, uh, yeah. I think I talked about it on uh, the Triple Feature podcast with Matt Boothman uh, last year. Um, he picked it as one of his films for the for the for the show, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. I think it's it's an amazing movie, mm. absolutely yeah, a, a barnstorming uh, sort of experience movie. It's so one of the top horror films of the decade, I think. Certainly, um, mm. I, I was a big fan of that movie. It was another one. I think like Archer around the end of the year when we were looking at. Um, a show like this it, you kind of mentioned it as something that you'd come across in, in passing and then I just watched it in the last sort of week before we did films of the year and it immediately went into the yeah. top films of the year so yeah it's, it's brilliant Oh, I'm, um, I'm glad that got some love because I, I was a big fan of movie when it came out mm. even though it's entirely predictable what is your number one? my number one is the 2015 Mad Max Fury Road. I, yeah, I, I think I think anyone who listens to this show for more than a few episodes has heard me talk about this movie. I think this movie is a close to as close to the perfect cinema experience as I've ever known. It is, yeah, it's full on action from the day one, but it is beautifully shot. It is such well shot action that the emphasis on physical effects over visual effects shines through. I think you've got some really great performances from Tom Hardy, from Charlie Theron, pretty Charlie Theron, who is constantly impressive as an actress. The, the amount she throws into the roles and how much she disappears into her roles. You know, you think of Charlie Theron and she's done everything from monster to this, to the upcoming bombshells movie where she just, she just navigates so many different looks and feels and nails all of them. Um, I think the film is mythic in many ways. It kind of embraces this idea of the wasteland and the post-apocalyptic world. And having been what the fourth of this trilogy um, of Mad Max, now I'm a fan of all of them. This is is the jewel in the crown. It is so stripped back and so pared down in terms of what it gives you about the world, but it gives you just enough to tell you what you need to know. Like you don't need to know where Morton Joe came from. He's just a Morton Joe. He's just this terrifying force of nature you know Furiosa you don't need her story you just know what she can do and Max who is in theory the character we're passing through they do this brilliant trick of somehow separating him out from the Mel Gibson performance in it clearly looks like Max he drives the same sort of car but there's nothing different about him and his flashbacks and his things are different to the stories we know that it keeps it in the same world but somehow separate from the original movies I just think it is it is as perfect a movie as I've seen in these last 10 years. So it was always going to be number one. As soon as we talk about this, it's going to be number one. Um, I I can't say, I cannot say enough good things about this film. Um, and it pains me to this day that Sam didn't like it when we saw it. Like, it genuinely pains me. <laughs> it's like, you know, we've been friends, friends for 20 years, but... <sighs> it's, just, it's just about going out and then going back. Let's just leave it there and leave it there. What's your number one? All right, number one. Um, now, I don't tend to... I haven't, and whenever we talk about horror films on this podcast, I've never been one who's... I mean, horror films have never been my genre at all. I've always thought of you as the one who knows much more about horror films um, and likes it much more. 
And yet, looking at my top five, mm-hmm. the raid is so violent, it verges on horror at times. Um, Whiplash, there's something kind of horror, psychological torment about the central relationship. Okja is just, I mean, it's horrific what we're doing for the planet. Um, Green Room is is horror and then my number one's horror as well so basically I've got picked five horror films um, my number one is another 2017 film and it's a film that has also stuck with me and it's the film Get Out I knew it yeah <laughs> I knew that yeah. so, yes no I yeah I agree I think it's a brilliant film I, I love this film it's I mean it just came out of nowhere for me. I think also there's something about the experience of seeing it that stuck with me. Um, and I saw it. Um, I used the opportunity of my wife being away. It was a couple of years, 2017. It was my wife being away and also being before the birth of our son. Um, so I could afford to do things like go and watch two films at cinema at 11 o'clock at night um, <laughs> so there was some there was something brilliant about watching it in a near empty um, auditorium at close to midnight um, and yeah I, I re- really loved that experience and it was a phenomenal directorial debut from Jordan Peele and there's some amazing performances from Daniel Kalua and um, Bradley Whitford as well who I can't really look at without seeing what's face from the West Wing um, but there's something there's something brilliant but it was kind of the way that you look at Patrick Stewart like you said and you immediately think he's lovely and you look at Bradley Whitford and you immediately think okay there's something quite dependable about this character I've known him for years and then the character in Get Out very quickly becomes not that. And yeah, it was just, the, there was something about this film, it's the, the a conflux of racism and class unrest and horror, and it was just amazing. So yes, that's my number one of the decade. I kind of like it that we've had no overlap in our, our top five. Yeah. Um, I hope that's what kind of makes this podcast interesting for those who listen to it. Um, but I have agreed with all of your pick choices. I think they've all been very good. Do you have any other also ransom oral mentions you want to talk about? Um, I was going to I, actually the Martian. I would kind of put around ten. I would put the Martian as an oral mention because um, I really enjoy that. In in terms of um, sort of one off experiences, new experiences. Um, I would put Beast of the Southern Wild, which was mm-hmm. unlike any film I'd seen before. I'm not really sure, even sure what the genre was. Um, Django Unchained, I quite like that sort of uncompromising address of a particularly taboo subject. I enjoyed that. Um, Sicario I thought was brilliant. Um Again, these aren't very uplifting films. I haven't got any uplifting films. Um, the Revenant I really liked, although that might have been, again, the experience of seeing it. I mm. remember looking forward to it and then going to see it at the cinema on my own and being 
not being disappointed at all. It being just what I expected from the film. I really enjoy that. And then I suppose the most uplifting film I've got down here is Deadpool, um, which is another one that it felt kind of refreshing to have something that wasn't fitting in with the genre of superhero films. So mm. I, I enjoyed that. How about you? So I think uh, so. What we're so I've got on my list. Um, I want to talk briefly about the 2016 documentary "I Am Not Your Negro." Uh, based on Jane Baldwin's manuscript, Remember This House. It's a vicious and unflinching exposure on race relations in America and how we got to where we are, and it draws very clear parallels with the current tensions in America. It won, I think, a BAFTA was nominated for an Oscar for documentaries. It is one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time, and I know we haven't talked much about documentaries and we don't really do many documentaries on the podcast um it's one i want to talk about i think it's it should be seen by more people basically from the sublime to ridiculous uh, my next one is the 2018 film ready player one i love the book i love the movie i know people hate it i know people so hate the movie i really liked it i thought it was everything i wanted from this movie um and it may not be what you wanted but i really liked it Another one I mentioned, I want to mention, I only watched literally two weeks ago. Um, and that's the film from this year, Booksmart. I think we're going to be covering it later on in this series. So I won't say any more beyond it made this list. So that speaks of good things for the future. Good. Sam and I have talked a lot about being parents and having kids. And so you watch a lot of films with your kids. And some of them are utterly terrible. Um, but the 2016 film Moana was an absolute delight and the songs in that are amazing the performances amazing the visual effects are great it is as the father of a daughter it is so kind of empowering and so wonderful to see that kind of female character on screen for my daughter to see um so yeah i thought that was brilliant i'm sure there'll be a, a, a sequel at some point um but if you haven't seen moana you should see it if you have kids if you have daughters particularly definitely see it it's it's amazing it's brilliant i briefly considered actually one talking about kids films one film that really impressed me and i wasn't expecting was despicable me i really enjoyed it and i thought it was like it, it was a kids film without being a film that dumbed down to kids it was just really enjoyable yeah i think i think there's a, at some point there's a there's a whole podcast in this and there's a like the amount of kids films out there some are so bad and so horrendous and some are so amazing and little hidden gems that uh, I'm I'm glad they exist I'm glad you're making these films mm. I've got three more ish four more um, so I want to talk about uh, Before Midnight uh, which is the last of the Before trilogy we we covered all three of these movies earlier um, in this series on the show it's the most personal, I think, of the three movies, and certainly the most, I the word for it, intense and confrontational of the movies. But it has a real realism, particularly in terms of people who've been with their partners a long time and the realism of what that takes and what that entails. I really like the movie, and it was kind of for me a way for me to say these three movies still stick with me so much when we watch them. Um, and this is the one, this, this decade. So here it is. Um, my last real pick is the film from last year called Blind Spotting. It's about two friends, um, about kind of 
and police shootings and race relations in America. And there's been a big sort of uptick in these kind of movies. I think this is one of the best. And it's so clever and so heartfelt. And the two main performances from Dave Diggs and Raphael Cassell are just spot on. They nail the whole friendship between the two of them. They nail the tension that arises around the race between the two of them. I just thought it was a really, really raw and brilliant movie. But I felt we had to mention a little bit of two big franchises from this decade that we can't ignore. The smaller one being John Wick. I think they're brilliant movies. The third one came out, I think, this year, and it's outstanding. But the big one, I think, the big elephant in the room probably is the MCU. Neither of us have put, I think, any MCU films on our list. No. Um, And I looked at Endgame but I felt like it was a weird film to put on the list because it doesn't exist by a film by itself. Um, no. I gave it, I, I really liked the movie, but I've liked the 17, 19 movies before it. And it was the payoff for that. But yeah. as a standalone film, I just felt like I couldn't talk about a decade without talking about the MCU a little bit. And I think there are some terrible films in that MCU, but I think there are films like, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, and even Endgame that are very, very good films and very, very good cinematic experiences. And although none of them made it into my top five, I wouldn't want decades to pass without mentioning them. And whilst the sort of the cultural dominance of them can be questionable, questionable worrisome, shall we say. Um, and the, the supremacy of the superior genre currently is inescapable. But I think that in amongst that kind of blanket overload of our cultural sort of zeitgeist, there is some quality gems of a movie in there. Mm. Yeah, that hmm is Sam disagreeing with me, not what you say it. No, 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 I, was, I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was thinking about, um, there's a, a scene fairly early on in that 2019 to The Boys, it's based on a graphic novel, um, is it a graphic novel or is it a yeah. book? Yeah, it's a graphic novel. Um, oh, that sounds dismissive. Graphic novels are books. Um, uh, anyway, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Um, but there's a scene where the, um, the Billy Butcher character sort of gestures up and you can see the sort of ubiquity of the superhero genre. And look look mm. what they're doing in product endorsements and films and adverts and they're all over the place. And you just think that, I mean, it's presented as if this is some, like, dystopian terror and we'd, we'd never do anything like this. But there's something that the past decade has been quite like that. Yes. I mean, superheroes are everywhere. Mm. Absolutely everywhere. My daughter, who's three, has never watched an MCU movie, but she knows who the characters are. Mm. She knows who Iron Man is, she knows who the Hulk is, just by cultural osmosis mm. and that's you know it, it's something we aren't the podcast who talks about that kind of stuff but I think it is something that it's, it's a, it is inescapable um, and that's why I think I, I want to celebrate the movies that kind of break out from that mould and the ones that shine despite the overload yes when you say we don't talk about it but one of our first episodes was about the Avengers it was yeah very, very early on we talked about the Avengers too didn't we yes. back that seems a long time ago <laughs> Uh, um, you, yeah. you glossed over John Wick too quickly, which was just incredible. Yeah, I think I mean John John Wick. Uh, the third one I watched recently. The third one has 
probably my favourite fight scene of all time in it. Possibly. There's, there's, there's a, if anyone's seen it, it's a fight in the Knife Museum. I just think it's it's just so brilliant. It is up there. We it took the ra- they took the power of the raid and shoved it into like a a five minute scene. Is it's it that. as good as that scene with the guy fighting a group of people in a corridor in Old Boy? It's a fight in a knife museum. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> Every display is knives. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, like, it, that's, it's a fight in a museum of knives. <laughs> it's John Wick okay. versus about yeah. 20 people. There are some axes at some point. It's just, you know, in a, world, in, a, in a movie that's so about guns, there are no guns, there's just mm. knives. Um, yeah, it's it's so, so brilliant. I'm genuinely going to hang up this pop call with Sam now and go into my house and watch that scene again. It's that good. <laughs> just talking about it now, I'm like, God, see that again. Yeah. So I did want to have a quick message, guys, to you guys who listen up there. We've been doing this show for four and a half, five years now, which is terrifying in itself. Um, and I thought the end of the decade should be a nice place to say basically thank you uh, Sam and I have been discussing movies between ourselves for 25 years 26 years um, it's only 25 years oh, it's only 25 no. years um, and 25 and a half this podcast was born out of a desire to A. talk as friends more but B. to kind of do something with our our angry rants each other about movies and it's been one of the best things I've done in my life. It's been one of the most creative experiences and most enjoyable experiences of my life. Um, and I'm very glad we're going to be doing it into another decade. So thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, making it seem like we aren't shouting to the void. And thank you, Sam, for being one of the best friends for that long and doing this with me. Oh, that's very su- surprisingly heartfelt of you, Rob. Um, I have it in me somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would echo what Rob's saying. Also, it's as someone whose life has got it, the as the decade has gone on, lots more things have been happening in my yes. life, and this is one thing that I unquestionably know I'm going to do every week or recently every two weeks. So I've I've really valued that. Yeah, a lot's changed over the course of this. Uh, we start this podcast. I think I was married. I, I just got married. We needed to have kids. You weren't yeah. married. Um, and we are now in very different places in our lives. So it's been yes. good to do it. And I'm looking forward to where we're going in the rest of season four and into season five. Into the roaring 20s. The roaring 20s. <laughs> With all the problems that entailed. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Right, guys. Well, we should be back in the new year with our next episode. We're picking back up again with high school movies, and we're looking at ten things I hate about you. The uh, one of the classics, modern classics of the genre. So, till then, you can find us both online at Presley Podcast. You find me at Life Underscore Academic, and you can find me at Kaiju FM. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>